We're so glad that you joined us today for this podcast from Bishop Quentin Moore and the Father's House in Hutchinson, Kansas. God loves you and wants the best for you, and we want to hear what God is doing in your life. Share your story with us by sending an email to mystory@fathershouse.net. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so at fathershouse.net slash give. Just select the option that works for you. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. You guys uh, brought your Bible this morning? Yeah. Tell you what, um, open that up to Romans 12. Romans 12. If you uh, have done much reading in your Bible, you know Romans 12 is um, pretty well known um, that we are to be a, a living sacrifice. It talks about the transformation and the renewing of our mind in, in verse 2. But I want to read specifically verses 3 through 11, and um, verse 11 being the main topic uh, this morning, um, or the main, the main verse this morning. It says in verse 3, God's grace has been given to me. So here is what I, ha- or is what I say to every one of you. Don't think of yourself more highly than you should. Some wife just elbowed her husband right there. Be reasonable when you think about yourself. Keep in mind the amount of faith God has given you. Each of us has one body with many parts, and the parts do not all have the same purpose. So also we are many persons, but in Christ we are one body, and each, of, each part of the body belongs to all the other parts. We all have gifts. They differ in keeping with the grace that God has given each of us. Do you have the gift of prophecy? Then use it in keeping with the faith that you have. Is your gift to serve? Then serve. Is it teaching? Then teach. Is it telling others how they should live? Then tell them. Is it giving to those who are in need? Then give freely. Is it to be a leader? Then work hard at it. Is it to show mercy? Then do it cheerfully. Love must be honest and true. Hate what is evil. Hold on to what is good. Love each, love each other deeply. Honor, uh, honor others more than yourselves. And here's that verse. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive and serve the Lord. Never let the fire in your heart go out. Keep it alive and serve the Lord. This morning, I would like to preach on a topic of church on fire. What it means to be a, a, a church on fire. To never let the fire in our heart go out, but that we keep it alive. And in doing so, we serve the Lord has, has anybody in here heard the statement, keep the main thing the main thing? Yeah. This, this term was coined by uh, an author, a, a great leader, and a, a brilliant businessman, Stephen Covey. In, in one of his books, he says, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. This, spe- this quote speaks to, to refocusing, the, to make sure that the very reason we started something is still years later the reason that we're doing it, right? In other words, we don't get caught up in the nuances and the distractions so that we have the ability to keep the main thing the main thing. Years, years back, Heather and I um, decided that one of the things we would do as the boys got older is that we would have a family game night. 
that um, that this game night would be surrounded with just the the um, the fun times that games can be, and we would teach them games that we learned growing up, and we would teach them new games that 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 are just coming out. But the focus was that we would sit down and have just that good old family time, right? That that we wouldn't be worried about the nonsensical things that we do on a regular basis, but that we were going to sit down and connect with our boys. There's just one problem with that. There's a competitive side in my house. And it's not me. It's my wife. Yeah, yeah. I, I learned this years ago because as, as the, the when, when holidays come, the, the Faulkner family gets together and we will play games. We'll, we'll have at least one night of just the adults getting around a card table and we will we'll play games, right? And so... The, the very first year Heather was in our, it, it, we, Heather and I were married and, and we were doing the, the Christmas deal. We're sitting around the, this table and we sat down and, and it was, again, we sat down to have fun. We sat down to connect. But if you know my brother-in-law, Jared Hamilton, you know that he also is very competitive. He's also the guy that knows all the rules of every game, whether he's played them or not. Have you ever played with one of those guys? Yeah. And so by the end of the night, it was all about Heather trying to beat Hamilton. Like we, we sat down to connect. By the end of the night, all she was doing, all she was worried about was destroying Hamilton, right? All she was worried about, all she was interested. In fact, the very first time she ever beat Hamilton at a game, it was Farkle. Have, ever, have you ever played the game Farkle? It's a great game. It's a fantastic game. But she took the piece of paper and posted it on our refrigerator for years, not just a couple of months, not just a couple, literally years. It was on our refrigerator so that whenever Hamilton came in to the house, he would see that and be reminded that he got crushed by Heather. We just learned this about our, our oldest son, Hampton. Hampton got a PlayStation 4 for, for Christmas. And um, Hampton has played a lot of um, Madden football on, on this PlayStation. And um, so Hampton asked me the other night if I wanted to play against him. And so we sit down to connect, right? We sit down to have that, that father-son bonding time over a game. That's I'd rather do it over hunting, but it, it is what it is. And we sit down, and I'm, I'm going easy on him, and we get to halftime, and he's beating me substantially. And so I'm like, well, I mean, I can't, com- I can't let him completely beat me, but I, I try, and I try, and I try to beat him only for him to whoop me. And the smack talk was so thick that I wanted to go cry in a corner. <laughs> Hamilton, or, uh, Hampton can lay it on just like his mama. We sit down to connect with, with our kids. We sit down to connect with our family, but, but we get overrun by, I got to win, right? That, that we, we, we've misunderstood. We've not kept the main thing, the main thing. I've learned uh, the, uh, this uh, a lot about people. We, we do this in our parenting. We do this in our marriages. We've, we've even done it in our leadership. Some of, some of us pastors get so caught up in what church could be that we lose focus on what church is actually all about. 
I mean, if we can be honest in church this morning, sometimes us preachers do a really good job of getting sidetracked, and and we make the main thing about the graphics, right? We make the main thing about the lights and, 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 and the conferences and the smoke and the camera and the action. We make it about the sermon series, right? And we're gonna do a sermon series on the Holy Spirit. We may know nothing about the Holy Spirit, but we got a really cool graphic. And the truth is, is that there's nothing innately wrong with each and every single one of them, as long as it points you back to Jesus. And can we just be honest with each other this morning, that if we're going to keep the main thing the main thing, then the main thing is always going to be Jesus. The main thing is always going to be Jesus, not just in this building, but in our lives, not just in our homes, but in our work, that it, Jesus is the main thing. I got frustrated with myself the other day. We were, Kara and I were meeting over uh, uh, a gathering that we're going to have in, in a specific area of the ministry. Um, and I got to talking to her about, oh, we'll call Metro and we'll get their coffee, right? And, and if we're going to get their coffee, then we might as well get their pastries because if you've ever had them, they're really good. And maybe I could find someone to go ahead and, and, and create, um, uh, make a meal for us, right? Yeah, the, pr- the problem is, is we got done with, with that gathering and I've made it more about the coffee and more about the food and more about uh, the pastries than I, than I did about Jesus, right? We, we've, got, we, we've done a really good job of making it. But to, the fact of the matter is, is that if Jesus be glorified, then do I really need the coffee? Do I really need the pastries? Do I really need the food? If Jesus be glorified, then we should show up anyway, right? Because the fact of the matter is, is that I believe we step into a place like this, we, we're going to eat anyway. We're going to talk about Jesus. We're going to read his word. We're going to allow him to speak into our life. So we will be fed. Amen. Got to keep the main thing, the main thing. William Booth said, Um, He was speaking uh, about the nature of fire. He said, the nature of fire um, is to go out. Watch the fire on the altar of your heart. Anyone who has tended a fire knows it needs to be stirred up occasionally. The nature of a fire is to go out. And and in order for that fire to continue to go, to continue to to grow, to continue to to live longer, to be, you have to be intentional about it. You got to take the prod and you got to stir the wood, right? You got to add logs to the fire. That uh, A fire is not something you start and leave it. A fire is to be tended. A fire is to be stirred. If we are going to be a church on fire, then we have to be intentional about it. This morning, I'd like to show you five things that I believe Um, a church on fire looks like. Number one, a church on fire is always lit. It's not lit just during Christmas and Easter. It's not lit just once a month when we got a really good worship set. A church on fire is always lit because lukewarm ain't an option. There's this famous verse found in Revelations that, that, that many, many of you guys will know. Revelations 3, verses 16, speaks specifically to being lukewarm. It says, so because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Because you are not hot, because you are not cold, because you are lukewarm, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. But if you back it up a couple of scriptures to specifically verse 2, the end of verse 2, I think we find where this comes from. When, when the author says, I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you're dead. You have a reputation 
of being alive, but you're stiffer than a board. You have a reputation of living a life of fire, but you're smoldering at best. You have a reputation of being lit. I'm just not sure that I see it. I never want to be the person that my name doesn't match where I'm, who I am. My name doesn't match who I call myself. I never want to be the kind of person that when you look at me, it doesn't match what you've heard about me. Have you ever met that individual who um, had a name that didn't really match that person? You know what I'm talking about? Like you go to meet someone and they shake your hand and say, hi, my name is Chanel. And you're like, Chanel, man, you look like a Lisa. Or, or that guy, that giant of a man um, who has a nickname of Tiny. Like he's 6'6", 260, and you call him Little Joe. You know what I'm talking about? Like no matter how many times you call that individual Little no matter how many times you call that individual tiny, his name is never going to match who he looks like. I never want to be the kind of person that identifies as a Christian but refuses to walk it out. It's one thing to have the tattoos. It's one thing to wear the T-shirt. It's, it's, you, you can even change your screen name on your social media account to Jesus 24-7, prophet or prophetess, of God, man or woman of God, praise Jesus, hallelujah. But can I just say that if your name doesn't match your walk, it doesn't really matter anyway. See, we get, uh, Christians get a little frustrated at times when, when we do everything we can to evangelize, right? We're going to change the world. We're going to do it because we know that Jesus is the way. We know that Jesus is the truth. We know that Jesus is the life. We don't necessarily walk that out, but I want to today. And so because I'm going to today, I want to speak that, but they know who I am. And so it just doesn't match up. And you walk away saying, I thought I was supposed to proclaim Jesus' name. I, I don't. If we're going to call ourselves believers, if we're going to call ourselves Christians, if we're going to identify as Jesus followers, our lifestyle better match the same as Jesus' lifestyle. Jesus lived a lifestyle of sacrifice. So if Jesus be our message, then we better have our a sacrifice as a lifestyle. You don't need to just talk the talk. I need people to show me how to walk. These kids and these teenagers that sit, that are in this building, not just in this service, but in the next service as well, they're not always interested in what you have to say. They're interested in how you're walking it out. We do a really good job of talking. But can I just say that a church on fire does more talking with their walk than with their words? Leviticus chapter 6, verses 8 through 13. It says, God spoke to Moses, command Aaron and his sons, tell them, these are the instructions for the whole burnt offering. Leave the whole burnt offering on the altar hearth through the night until morning, with the fire kept burning on the altar. Then dress, you, dress in your linen clothes with your linen underwear next to your body. Remove the ashes remaining from the whole burnt offering and place them beside the altar. Then change your clothes and carry the ashes outside the camp to a clean place. 
Meanwhile, keep the fire on the altar burning. It must not go out. Replenish the wood for the fire every morning. Arrange the whole burnt offering on it and burn the fat of the peace offering on top of it all. Keep the fire burning on the altar continuously. It must not go out. Repeat that with me. It must not go out. It must not go out, which implies that it could go out, right? Regardless of what's happening, regardless of what it is that you're going through in your life right now, you are responsible for keeping the fire lit. You are responsible for keeping it day and night. Every morning and every night, you are responsible for keeping it ablaze. In our Bible, it speaks specifically about nighttime, and nighttime is referred to a hardship, right? Nighttime is referred to that trial and that tribulation, that difficulty. But our Bible also specifically talks about joy being found in the morning. Now, joy isn't found in the morning like every morning at 6 a.m. when I wake up, you're, I'm going to be joyful, though I hope that you are. I hope that every morning you wake up and, and you got a smile on your face and you got the joy of the Lord, but that's not necessarily what it's talking about here. What it's promising you is that though you are walking in darkness at the moment, there will be joy to be found. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. If I'm walking through it, that means I'm going to walk out of it at some point in time. Amen. If, there, if I am in a struggle at the moment, if, if there is a trial and a tribulation going on in my life, if there's something that I'm not quite sure, I don't understand, what I can tell you is that as long as we're intentional about lighting that fire, about stoking that fire, about, about working with that fire, that joy will be found in the morning. Understand that it is your responsibility to keep the fire alive day and night. In the good times and the bad times. In the joyous times and the not so joyous times. When the marriage is good and when the marriage is bad. When you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. When the kids are worshiping Jesus and when they're being hellions. Can I get an Amen. When the business is going really well, or when the business is going down the tubes, you are to keep the fire burning day and night. If we're going to be a church on fire, it means that we're not going to be a seasonal church, but we are going to be a consistent church. We are always going to praise and serve the Lord, not just once a month when it works out in your schedule. Today... <laughs> We have an entire list here at the church called the CE list. Christmas and Easter. Easter's almost coming. And I would assume at some point in time, someone's going to look at one of those individuals and say, oh, it's good to see you again. I See, I can poke fun of them because it's not Christmas or Easter, which means none of them are here. It's one thing to poke fun at the holiday Christians, the holiday list, but what about the seasonal people? When it's fall and winter, they're here, but spring and summer, they out. What about the people when it's convenient, but when it's not, they ain't here? What about the people that just need something? Now, and don't get me wrong, if you need something, get here, amen. If you need something, but, but just for, for a, a, a moment, what if, how, how much better would it be for our Christianity? How much better would it be for our faith if we always made sure we were keeping the fire alive? Which means church ain't an option. 
You got practice on Sunday? Practice on your way to church. You got a party to go to on Sunday? We're going to party with the Holy Ghost today. You got something going on on Sunday? I understand that this isn't a popular message to preach. I understand that it isn't necessarily relevant. But can I just tell you that in, in, in the consistency of stoking the fire, in the consistency of allowing that fire to get bigger and bigger and bigger, that it'll change your life? That you, you may not, I may be stepping on some toes. I may be, may be offending you a little bit. And I apologize kind of to, to an extent. But can I just say the consistency that, that we allow that fire to be lit, that we allow, that we must not let it go out, that we keep it alive and we serve the Lord, that that will change your life. I was in the fifth grade when I started coming to this church. And at that point in time in my life, we lived an hour west of here in a little town called St. John, an hour west of here, which means we had to get up like an hour and a half earlier. I was in the fifth grade, like, I don't know if you got some fifth graders or some teenagers, but do you like to get up that early? But church wasn't an option then. My parents were going through a tough time. We didn't necessarily know that, but they, they had life. That, that Sunday morning stoked a fire in them. That, that Sunday morning filled them to the brim. That they, ha- they may have gone, they may have been walking through the, the valley. That they may have been in a trial or a tribulation. But they knew that it, at church Sunday morning that they would be filled to the brim. They knew that in serving they would be filled to the brim. Back in those days, if you remember, if you've been around for very long, we had church in the morning and church in the evening. And we were lucky if we ate in between. Amen. Today, we want church to be 10.30 to 12.15. And anything past that, you are now infringing on my space. We want Jesus, right? We want to hear from Jesus. We just want to hear from Jesus at 10.30, in between 10.30 and 12.15, because anything past that is a little too Pentecostal for me. Anything past that, we may be speaking in tongues, and I'm just not quite sure what's going on, and I, I just don't know that I can handle that. Now, we want the revival of Jesus. We want, the, we want a fresh anointing from God, but we just need that from 10.30 to 12.15. Mm, am I stepping on toes this morning? I'm sorry if I am, kind of. But can I just say, even every single one of us want a revival. It may not be the revival of old pastor has talked about it. It may not be the revival of 2001, but it's still going to take effort and it's still going to take you stepping out of your comfort zone. I want to do everything in my power to make sure that this is a church on fire. But that means I got to make sure that I'm on fire. That means I gotta be intentional about stoking it. That means I gotta be intentional. That means I must not let it go out. Number two, the church on fire is refined. Refined speaks to the nature of purification. Refinement is when impurities and unwanted elements um, are removed from, from this item through a process of burning. Speaking specifically of gold, the gold that you may or may not be wearing this morning is not the natural state of the gold, right? 
that there was a process of burning that took out the imperfections, that took out the impurities. And to go a, a little further, not only, not only did it take out the imperfections and the impurities, but it was also mixed with other metals, right, to, so it could become what it needed to become. We need to understand that when you go through this, uh, this refinement, when, when you feel like the heat has been turned upside down, or when you feel like the heat has been turned up and your life being turned upside down, Understand that this is an opportunity that lies in front of you. Because when you said, God, make me that man or make me that woman, he's going to take the things that are not needed in your life away. He's going to take those things out of your life. But even in the midst of taking those out, he's going to fill you with him, right? He's going to fill those voids in your life with his knowledge, with his love, with his peace, with his happiness. The Holy Spirit becomes more apparent in your life. We see this in Isaiah 48.10. Do you see what I have done? I have refined you, but not without fire. I have tested you like silver in, in, a, in the furnace of affliction. Some of, we, some of us may be going through a tough season at the moment. Some of us may be struggling at the moment. But can I tell you that it, it is in the refinement that you turn out, that you step out of that refinement, that you step out of that process, a man and a woman like you didn't know that you could be. Number three, the church on fire never burns bridges. When the Lord thinks about his church, he does not think about it denominationally. He doesn't think about it about the Baptists. He doesn't think about the non-denominational. He doesn't think about the, the Episcopal, the Lutheran, or the, the Roman Catholics. See, what we need to understand is we'll never build anything by tearing someone else down. In other words... We are big on relationship. We are big on relationship. We're, we're, we have friends that you go to church with and friends that you, you don't go to church with. We have friends that have no idea about God. We have friends that, that go to, quote unquote, that church. We have friends that have left this church. And, and can I just say the friends that have left this church, we bless them and encourage them. We, we, you, you can't tear down someone on, on one side of your mouth and then ask for salvation for another on the other side of your mouth. A church on fire never burns bridges. If the Bible says to love your enemies, then how much more are we to love our brothers and our sisters? Because a church on fire doesn't burden bridges. It should be seen building bridges. That's why we apologize when we need to apologize. Even if we, we think we were right, it isn't about who's right and who's wrong. It's about God being just, amen. So regardless of, of what we're going through, we love. To, to build a bridge is to, to, to reach a hand out. To, to build a bridge is to get involved in your community, the Bible specifically talks about when you are offended with someone, you confront them, right? But can I just take that a little further and say confront can kind of bring a negative connotation to it. Confront doesn't mean that you confront them with your anger. Confront means that you confront them with a desire to resolve and reconcile. See, that's why it goes on and continues to say, blessed are the peacemakers. The only way to build a bridge is to be a peacemaker, 
What's up, man? I didn't know who this was for a second. Hi. Can you say hi to everybody? Go to Uncle Luke. Number four, a church on fire never burns at both ends. Thank you for making my point here, Henley Olam. This speaks to the, the idea of the rhythm of life. Because, see, what you need to understand is this message could be taken in such a way that I'm just asking you to get involved. Just serve more. Serve more. This, could, this message could be seen as, as a plea to just get involved. If you're already involved, then get involved. In it. But that, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Serving, serving, serving um, more and more and more at the church while leaving your, your family falling apart at home is not what you're called to do. On the opposite side, we get so fixated on our families that we use that as an excuse to not step into a small group, to not serve at church. That There is a rhythm to this. There is a balance in this. Some of us are so hot in ministry but so cold at home. Some of us seek after that promotion, after that promotion, after that promotion, but can't remember the last time we saw our kids awake. Make sure that there is a rhythm. Make sure that there is room in your life, that there is balance in your life. It is our job to model to these kids what a healthy Christian lifestyle looks like. I don't want to be the guy who gets up on stage and, 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 and speaks to you about how to live your life when my wife can't stand me at home. I don't want to be the, the guy standing up here speaking to your young kids and not have a relationship with my own at home. At, at, at the same time, I don't want to be such a family man that my kids are shocked when we're going to church on Sunday morning. I don't want to be so fixated on the family that, the, that my kids don't understand what it means to grow up in the house of the Lord. We don't burn at both ends. We burn consistently. There's a rhythm to this. Have you ever danced with someone who doesn't have rhythm? I'm not interested in stepping on the toes. I'm interested in, 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 in burning consistently. If there is one prayer that I have for this next generation is that they would understand what it means to live a consistent Christian life, that they would be men and women of character. And if you are sitting there saying in your head, yeah, this generation needs all the help they can get, understand and remember who it is that they are looking at. Every Sunday we do a baby dedication. Pastor stands up here, holds the baby, turns to you, asks you to stand and said, now this child's going to grow up in this home. This child's going to grow up under this roof, and he's going to watch you. He's going to watch how it is that you're going to walk out, you, you, this Christian faith. He's going to watch so those kids that need your help or that, that you think need help are looking to you for that help. Number five. In Matthew 5.13, called to be uh, a light at the top of the hill. But I need you to understand that just because we say that we're the light at the top of the hill doesn't make us the light at the top of the hill. That we have to be intentional about this fire that I talk about. That if we want to be at the top of the hill drawing others to us, that, that it has more to do with how it is that we're, it doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't, it doesn't happen because I put the t-shirt on. It doesn't even happen because I preach this message. That we have to be intentional about the fire. It's a well-known fact that there are three components, three elements to a fire. And then without one of those elements, you don't have a fire. This is called the triangle of fire. It's oxygen, fuel, and heat. 
You need oxygen, you need fuel, and you need heat to have a fire. If so, if you have oxygen and heat, but no fuel, there is no fire. If we're going to be a church on fire, then we have to have the elements. What are the elements? We, it, it, the, the elements of the fire are fuel, oxygen, and heat. What are the elements for us? A relationship with God, a surrender to God, and a discipline within God. A relationship with God, a surrender to God, and a discipline within God. I'm going to say it again. A relationship with God, a surrender to God, and a discipline within God. When we leave one of these elements out, we lose that fire. So if we're going to have a relationship and surrender, but don't have discipline, we have no fire. If God is calling you to something new, but you don't have the ability to surrender because, well, I want, I want it like it used to be. I want to be in that relationship. I need to be in that relationship. I don't want to let him or her go. But if we want the fire to be alive, we have to allow all three to be priorities in our life. Here's the great news. Once the fire is lit, it doesn't need to be advertised. The relationship, the surrender, and the discipline are seen easily from the top of the hill. So you want the ministry to flourish, you need a relationship, you need surrender, and you need discipline. You want your marriage to flourish, you need a relationship, you need surrender, and you need discipline. You want the family to flourish, you need a relationship, you need surrender, and you need discipline. Without one of them, regardless of what you call it, it's not a fire. Thank you for listening to this week's message from The Father's House. We hope you stay connected by following us online at fathershouse.net. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at TFH Hutch.